Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me this afternoon is Kiki Dombrowski, the author of A Curious Future, which is all about various divination techniques for witches and non-witches alike, and uh, Susan Demeter, and she's the author of The Cosmic Witch, and she also is one of the merry gang who brought us the UFO Tarot, which is in process right now. And so there's going to be lots of divination talk. There's going to be a lot of talk about the solstice and the dark time of the year and just all kinds of cool witchy stuff because you got three witches here. You got the three weird sisters. So hello, everybody. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Hi. Hi. So I've been I've been wanting to talk with with both of you at the same time. And luckily Kiki really wanted to meet Susan and Susan wanted to meet Kiki. So there you go. We're all together. Um, how are you guys doing today? I'm good. I, I've had a, a busy few days. Um really like a whole gamut of emotions because we had we finally finished our kick um, our Kickstarter campaign for the ufology uh, uh, tarot and it went really really well it like exceeded our expectations and how much support we've gotten for this project so a lot of excitement around that but at the same time speaking of the solstice I um, my I live in Italy but most of my family um, are in, including my grandson, live in Canada. So I like to get their winter solstice stuff sent out. Um, they're little gifties. And I, I checked with the uh, Postal Italiano yesterday, and they said they had lost all four of my parcels. So this caused a lot of uh, consternation and tears and horror. And to make a long story short, they they resolved this for me they managed to find these parcels and locate them they are in Canada waiting to go through customs but I mean you know I had sent them out just before Samhain um, thinking already of Yule time and solstice to make sure that all their their little gifts which are just like not expensive things but things I've made from from myself like homemade gifts and and things that really came from the heart that I've picked up for them over the course of the year here in Italy and so I was just like heartbroken so going from like super super happy to super super heartbroken to now happy again and it's like and I'm so happy to be here but I've had just this roller coaster of emotions the last couple of days I can imagine so I really need this I need I need my witch sisters to sort of you know (laughs) chill with and talk and feel good (laughs) have a healing moment yes exactly (laughs) yeah that that's that's scary and annoying and you know when the mail lets you down it's never a good feeling 
Yeah, especially when you pay all this these extra euros to make sure you've got tracking and you you, you know it's it's going to go like the best possible priority and and all this and it's and it's it's upsetting to not just because of gifts and and solstice time and that but because you know with pandemic and not being able to see all my family um, in some cases I haven't seen my sister in three years it's it's very frustrating and upsetting and and tying all these emotions into that that. Um, you know, just, just kind of had that, that roller coaster past few days. And I so I'm, was feeling a little blotto earlier and then I'm kind of, yay, I get to talk to the witches and, and <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all perked up again. I'm all excited again. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Kiki, how are you doing? Good. Um, you know, kind of interesting this, this year has been, um, a transitory year for me. It's been a year of transformation. And for some wild reason, the last six months of 2021 have just been emotionally, it's been an emotional roller coaster. So very similar. Um, Susan, I'm going through very similar things, just very, uh, you know, one minute, very excited, elated, happy. And then the next minute, just dealing with, um, maybe more heavy or intense emotions. And so the roller coaster in itself and kind of experiencing the highs and lows <laughs> so drastically, so quickly is just so draining. So um, I've been really thankful that I'm by the ocean. Um, I'm going this weekend. It's going to be in the 70s here this weekend. So I'm just going to um, just sit and relax in in the sand and just hope that that kind of, you know, honoring the tides of, of my own emotions alongside the tides of the ocean, um, maybe that will be an opportunity to just mellow out and maybe sleep a little. I don't know. <laughs> but that yeah. Wonderful. That sounds yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been a heck of a year. I I'm looking forward to, um, you know, um, the winter solstice is always a special time. And, um, for me in particular, just because I love the idea of rebirth and, you know, because, and I think that a lot of times too, well, I think that everybody, because of this pandemic, we're all just feeling, you know, a little stuck, a little challenged, <laughs> maybe stressed, maybe frustrated, probably scared. Maybe some of us are grieving, um, and so I love the idea of, um, working through transformation and rebirth at the winter solstice. Um, and this dark side of the year idea of just being indoors, both physically, but metaphorically going inwards. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a great opportunity to, you know, find where there's growth, where there's rebirth and where healing can take place. Yes. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. We're kind of well, all all feeling the highs and lows of 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 life and I think that uh you know Kiki when you talk about releasing the lows into the into the ocean and letting it wash over you and 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 cleanse it out of you so near the solstice is a good time to do that. You know, that's that's a good time to sort of wash your um spirit clean as it were and just let it let it go um and i i've been having to to learn to let things go and it's very freeing on the one hand but it's it's also it's heavy 
It's very, very heavy. And uh, I understand that. But like uh, both of you, I I said this at Samhain and I'll say it again. The dark side of the year is actually my favorite part of the year um, until spring comes. And then I'm excited about that, too. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, the darkness doesn't frighten me. The shadow side of life doesn't frighten me. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. And maybe it's because I was an October baby. I don't know, but I like this time of year because you get a chance to rest. You get a chance to let the sit with the heavy feelings, feel them and then, and then let them go. And much like Samhain, we talked, uh, Susan and I talked a lot about the ancestors, working with ancestors. Because the solstice and the other winter holidays around that time period have to do with family, as Susan was talking about, it's a time to also look at your, at your ancestors as well as your living family. And, and when the light returns, lighting the lights to represent that you light lights for them as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think this is a good time of year, even in the pandemic, it's still a, a, a positive time of the year. Yeah. We have the opportunity to be cozy with our loved ones, even if our loved ones is just ourselves, you know, um, I, I, I also, I, I'm a really big fan of the, the dark, time of the year. So, you know, and when I say dark time of the year, I'm assuming you also mean, you know, everything from Samhain kind of all the way through to the the spring equinox or even mm -hmm. Beltane. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, there's something really special, uh, about those moments where you are curled up under, maybe a weighted blanket or a fuzzy blanket and you've got a warm cup of coffee or tea and um, you're possibly with people you love and you're just having a very, you know, intimate, you know, moment of just relaxing and grounding and, and being together and, and staying warm and maybe eating <laughs> comforting foods. Um, way too many cookies, yeah. eating yes. way too many cookies. <laughs> Too much chocolate. <laughs> so many cookies. I love it. Yeah. It's so, um, you know, it's, it, and that might be another way for me to, you know, there is some sort of purifying power in just grounding and being comfortable and relaxing because instead of, you know, letting your thoughts spin above your head, you're staying within your body and, and just, honoring your, your needs and the needs of those around you and, you know, nurturing the soul through <laughs> cozy pajamas and <laughs> fuzzy slippers and yes, all the cookies. <laughs> well, it really, it really feels like being, you know, in, in, in a symbolic sense back in the womb, you know, yes. we're, we're insulating yeah. ourselves. It's the dark time, you know, we're making ourselves cozy. Um, and yeah, and, and preparing for that light and, and what's coming and, and, you know, leaving behind um, anything that's been negative. As you said, it's a good time to, to really ritualize and wash away, you know, what we don't need anymore from the previous year and moving forward, right? 
Yeah. Uh, and, and that makes it a really lovely, lovely time of year. Um, I wish it wasn't so cold where I'm up here on the mountaintops. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, in some ways, it's nice to have the fire. I, I'm, I'm lucky I have a wood burning stove and a fireplace. So they get oh, a good so they get a good workout in the, these months <laughs> so are you so you're are you in the alps um we're i'm in the apennines which are they're a, a string of mountains that um kind of descend down from the alps in the dolomiti yeah. area yeah oh, so. beautiful beautiful oh it really is really magical um, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it is a it is a Every time Susan posts a photograph now, I've start I've started to be able to without even looking for the name, I know where it's from because I've seen enough of the photographs of her mountains that I, I recognize. I'm like, oh, Susan, she posted yeah. that. It's beautiful. Oh, wow. um, but it is a very beautiful place, and yeah. uh, uh, I'm I'm of the opinion that every place is magical. But oh, yeah. that that one. I can definitely feel the flavor of the magic now starting to come through the photographs. So that that's really, really, really nice. And yeah, yeah it does look a little bit colder there than it is here. It, it is. Um, it's not as cold actually as is uh, when I was living in Toronto. Toronto can get a lot of snow. They, they actually have more snow now than we do here. And I'm at a much higher elevation. Um, but I was going to say in regards to the magic here, I found it just because um, there has been so much human involvement. Um, and where I'm particularly living, you um, have a lot of runes of the Etruscans who were here and the Villanovan people before that who were venerating nature. Um, and pretty much anything that was um, that they could see visually, they, they thought of as magical and part of the divine. And I think this is still really, um, it's felt by the, by the spirit of this place. Uh, and, and so it, it makes it a bit easier. Although I agree with you when I lived in like a major city, Toronto, you know, 4 million people, uh, there were magical moments right there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Every, every space, every place has its own unique flavor of magic and, and what we bring to it. So, Yeah. <laughs> So Kiki, you wrote A Curious Future, which uh, Susan's reading right now, and I've read. And one of the things that I know I really liked about it was how many different divination techniques you went into. You managed to do it thoroughly without being, um, you were concise but thorough. That those two don't always come together in writing. So you did a great job with that. And uh, I liked that a lot of them were some of the older techniques that I had read about in, you know, old 19th century books back when I was a kid at the library, but that people don't talk about as much anymore. So well done. And uh, have you, have you looked at any um, other techniques that you, maybe want to write about later or are you going to move on to different subjects? Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so, I'm so honored that, that you enjoy the book and, and Susan, that you're reading it. I mean, that really means a lot to me. And, um, I, you know, I love divination and what's interesting is, is I haven't taken on any new forms of divination. 
Um, I'm really just becoming more and more acquainted with the kits that I have, um, adding to my crystal kit, adding to my shell kit, adding to my bone and trinket kit, um, and just having conversations with them and, and seeing what kind of answers come up. Um, I am still going to be writing about divination, but my next book is actually on tarot. So I will be honing in on tarot. Um, I'm working through the draft right now, and it will probably be a longer book. Um, but the goal of the tarot book will be to allow for people to explore it if they're working alone and letting it become a personal or an exercise in personal development and spiritual exploration. But I also want to give them techniques for creating a more um, conversational reading with their clients as opposed to just saying, okay, so you've got the nine of cups, which means something happy is on the way. You know, I, I'm trying to find a way to, to, to create opportunities for um, the person giving the reading to be able to, engage in a conversation and, and, and maybe see, are there opportunities to just um, not pull stuff out of the person getting the reading, but allow for them to think more about what's best for them. So that sounds wonderful. That does sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, and that'll be out next summer. <laughs> as long as I stay on target with my timing, I think it will be out you know, mid, midsummer, July, August, something like that. So yeah, I, I love writing about divination. It's been, um, really influential in my life and a tarot is one of my favorite topics. I could talk about tarot nonstop. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. It, it sounds like it's going to be, um, a book that will be really useful to people like myself who I have a hard time just memorizing all the various meanings of, of, you know, the tarot. And I, 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 I tend to, when I do a, a reading, I don't do readings for others. I, I, I do sometimes like people that are close to me, but it's more for myself, but I, I tend to just look at, um, you know, and I, I, I do a spread of cards. I, I look at the card at the time without trying to think about, okay, what is this meaning? What, is, what does this mean to me in the moment as opposed to what's the general meaning that I'm supposed to be getting from it, if, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I just, when I've tried to in the past, I, I learned uh, cardomancy really from my grandmother and it was just with a regular deck of cards, it was not tarot. Yeah. Um, so when I worked my way up to tarot, I just, I had a, I found that it, it just wasn't working for me when I was going constantly looking at, um, you know, the detailed uh, meanings behind the cards. Keywords, yes, helpful, but I found that it was more, there was better flow if I was just looking at the card and just letting pictures and that come up in my own mind and, and what it meant to me in the moment as opposed to an overall meaning of the card if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And it makes me think of, it, it circles back to the idea of magic of place for me. So when you talk about that, that sort of like interaction you have with, you know, the, the place where you are in the mountains, mm -hmm. you have a certain exchange with that. And I think you can have that same magic of place when you 
um, exchange energy with, with the imagery of a specific tarot card too. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are always, what I love about tarot too, is you could look at the same card for 20 years and, and, and hone in on something completely different every time you look at it, or you could think it means yeah. one thing for a certain amount of time. And then you revisit with it and you're like, well, actually, I kind of feel like it indicates this, or, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it, it's a really, um, while there are certain boundaries, you know, I think the lovers is always going to have something to do with love, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, your, your perspective on it may change depending on your own experience or your perspective mm -hmm. at the time or the people you're connecting with. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I love to hear that you read for yourself because some people are really afraid to, to take the cards and say, you know what, I'm going to draw some cards for me and what I'm going through. So, yeah. And it could be a really powerful opportunity to just step into a day with a, with a, with a, I don't know, inspiration in mind or something to motivate you or something to be mindful of, or to close the day with gratitude or. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or help you just to reorient, to look at things in a new way. You know, like if you're, if you're stuck in a certain thinking pattern and then you, you do a reading for yourself and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I haven't thought of things like this before. And, and then it gets you, it reorients your thinking and you might come up with something new or like you said, find a place of gratitude or, you know, a better mindset or a, a way to unstick yourself from something, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I love that I, word the, reorienting reorienting. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I when I read I started reading when I was probably yes, I was 15. Um a kid in school who ended up being my boyfriend had a miniature writer weight deck so you know the cards are like two and a half inches tall. And in algebra class he had laid out a three card reading like when we were supposed to be doing something like related to school. And <laughs> that's why we didn't do so well in algebra, I guess, because um, we weren't paying attention to that. And I was like, what are those? You know, those were fascinating to me. And so I ended up talking with him and looked at the cards. And from the very beginning, I looked at the cards as a means to tell a story. Um, and I never looked at them singly. I always looked at them in series as they related to that. Well, they told a story. If you lay them out, they're like a storybook. And, you know, the, the order that they're in tell tells a story the the major arcana tells the story from the beginning to the end and it is you know it has a whole narrative flow to it and but the the beauty of this of course is you mix the cards up and every reading you get you're going to have a different plot line and a different a different way of looking at it and a different means of understanding it and i'm really into symbolism as well and i always was um i very fascinated with the ideas of archetypes and symbols in literature and poetry and music and psychology so 
to me, it's it's always been about the inner and the outer together. Um, I don't really. I mean, I know the the basic meanings of each card because I've I've read tarot books obsessively for years now, but I've never really when I've worked with a deck or read for other people, and I used to read for a lot of other people, um, ever really held on to the to the big obvious answers. To me, it always has to do with the flow of the cards and the flow of the person. And the flow of yourself. And I love the idea of having a conversation with the cards and with the client, like you were saying, Kiki, because that's one of the ways I always worked with people is I invited them to look at the cards. Mm. And I'm like, what do you, does this make you feel anything? Do you see a narrative here? And almost always, if if they are open to being read for in the first place, they are almost always open enough to the symbolism that they can relate the cards to themselves. Mm. And, and I think that's a, a healthy way to teach people, A, to read for themselves, and B, to see the cards just as a, an opening to their own inner dialogue mm -hmm. and and pull it you know from the outside the cards are on the outside pull it inward and then the inside pull it out and see it reflected in the cards right and they have the ability to receive the answer themselves by looking mm -hmm. at that and going okay well I look at this card and I feel this or I think this or mm -hmm. it reminds me of this and I think too there are certain cards where y you look at them and you're like well I, I, you know, like I, I think of like the three of swords, for example, you look at that card and you get a very strong feeling almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, it is really special to be able to, yeah, give the client that opportunity to, to, to view the image and say, okay, well, this is what I'm receiving from it. And, um, this is how, oh, you could even just say, what is it? What do you feel when you look at this picture? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Deanna Troyett from Star Trek, you know, what does this make you feel? And, you know, there you go. Yeah. In interestingly, Susan, I, I had a comment. Um, as you know, I, I talked with Miguel about the UFO Tarot. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a comment on uh, the episode from a, a listener and he said, well, you know, for neophytes like myself, you should put the 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 general meaning like a blurb on the back of each card. You know, wouldn't you want to do that? And I was like, okay, there's reasons why we we would not want to do this. Yes. Um, I gave the obvious one, which is the printing costs of having a unique image or you know word on the back of every card would drive up the printing costs. Um, I get I left that one for last, but the main thing is you mess up your um the the randomness if you can see what's on the other side the face of the card from the back of the card mm -hmm. it messes up the random factor in divination and i said and then what happens if you have the meaning 
quote unquote, in a very small sound bite to go on the back of a card, it limits the the neophyte reader's ability to work with the deck on an intuitive level. Exactly. And, and so I, I think that was interesting because, you know, to me it was obvious why you wouldn't do that. But to people who are coming to the UFO, UFOlogical Tarot from a UFO perspective, not a Tarot perspective, that, that they wouldn't see that. So, Susan, what do you think is going to happen with that Tarot deck when it's released into the wild? You know, what sort of interesting ideas are going to get get floating through the 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 universe through the ether? Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think all sorts of wonderful things. Um, there's possibilities, many possibilities with with uh, depending upon how people you know decide to use them. But I do I do think that. Um, well, for myself, I'm excited to incorporate them into my own magical workings. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know. I, I think it, it really depends on, on, on the person and, and what, you know, they want from the cards, you know, um, how, they, how they intend to use them. Some people are going to look at them, again, as just a, as an interesting novelty. Other people may decide to use them for divination or magical workings. Um, it really just depends. The, the artwork is incredible. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens, what magic is unleashed when, uh, when they're in, in everyone's hot little hands. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I want to hear all about it. it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, too. And it was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I I think it would be really fun to pull from the UFO tarot deck and then also pull from like a traditional deck and just seeing like, what do you pull? Like, you know, combining um, Mm -hmm. or even like combining it with a different form of divination. So if somebody uses a pendulum or Mm -hmm. uh, even if they use psychometry, what happens when they touch one of the UFO tarot cards? Like, what? what do they end up psychically picking up on? Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, the, the, the UFO, the UFO tarot will, of course, the ufology tarot um, has different symbolism. There's different things unique to each card that um, we'll be working on people's subconscious as well. So, yeah, I think that, that there'll be a lot of magic surrounding them for sure. I think so. And I, I think that we're investing method- it. <laughs> right. I think the the method by which your group came together and created it and and kept it secret and treated it like a magical working itself mm-hmm. was basically a stroke of genius and I I think that's part of why it was so successful that you basically took an idea and brought it into physical manifestation and you did it by keeping it secret by keeping it uh protected in that way while it was working while it was stewing in your heads um while it was it was 
fermenting around. And I also think that doing it as a group, not as one or two people, is also a very fertile way to make a potent, magical, I don't want to say object because it's more than one object. It's, you know, way more than one object. But to make a magical tool yes, is you did it in a group setting. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And we did, like, we were meeting um, weekly, pretty much every week, um, having our salons and, and discussing the cards. And, you know, as, as Miguel had said to you, um, you know, it just, it, we were all jamming really mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> we were, um and 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 bringing our own unique perspectives into this into the, each card and uh and yeah and, and there's a lot more interesting stuff co to come out because we still have uh quite a number of the cards to go in the in the major arcana and then of course we want to do like the full set with the minor arcana as well so there's going to be a lot of fun with that oh yeah yeah. yeah, and I I love the idea of using a pendulum or or some other form of divination, or you know even just taking these these out to a, a UFO hotspot and and doing a reading and seeing what comes out. Oh, that's such a cool idea! Oh my god, I can't wait. I know, I know. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, oh, let's go to Point Pleasant and see what <laughs> see what see what we can cook up. Yeah, because sure. I'm only an hour and a half away from there, so or you know. The place where I used to live that had lots of weird lights happening all the time, you know, just sit on the foundation of that old burned down house and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually had a UFO experience a couple months ago that I haven't told anybody about yet. Ooh. Like right here on oh. Wilmington Island in Georgia. Ooh. Wow. I know. Um, and it was really, it was a strange circumstance because a friend of mine texted me and said that he started he, he had started to see like a black cat in his backyard. And, you know, he's like, what, are, what does the symbolism of this mean? And, you know, I joked and I said, you know, I think that, you know, the symbolism is the cat wants tuna or catnip. But, you know, and then I started to say, wouldn't it be funny? I think if you saw more than one black cat, maybe that would be an omen. So that evening I went out for um, just my evening walk and I heard this jingling behind me. And there was a black cat following me with like a bell around her neck. Mm. And I panicked. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I'm texting my friend and looking down at my phone, just texting frantically, like, I just saw this black cat. Like, what if the, you know, maybe this is an omen. And for some reason, I, you know, I was looking down, texting and walking, and I intuitively sensed that I needed to look up. And very, very, very fortunately, I looked directly upwards and was looking direct at a wow. UFO. <laughs> oh, like, wow. and had I not looked in that exact location, there would be absolutely no way that I would have seen it. It was extremely quiet. And it was one of those triangle ones with like the red, it was like five red lights, like one at the pinnacle and two on each side. And it was wow. just coasting it was just coasting so wow so maybe now i have to take the the tarot and and see what i draw here at home i was so shocked i hope you guys don't mind that i shared that story no, no absolutely <laughs> i just thought it was so but you know i think it's really interesting too because like you know what happens if somebody has like sort of like a you know like a the, the sort of a ufo encounter or uh, 
even like I'll say like a paranormal experience, um, what happens if they utilize divination to receive more information about it? Um, and so I would be really excited to use the the UFOlogy tarot deck and and see you know, what other information can I receive about this? Why did I see, why was there a black cat at my friend's house? Why did I see a black cat? And then why did I see a UFO? Um, and the best part is too, is that when it happened, like I wasn't, you know, like I think that some people might feel a little uncomfortable or maybe scared or panic. I, I don't know. Like I was just like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> that is. Yeah. You feel that the cat made it, may have played a role that the, the, they, the cat guided you to the experience? I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. I haven't even really thought about it other than I, it's a joke now. Like, I'm like, don't, don't tell me when you see the cat. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I, and I, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I wondered too, if it was like, it was just weird that I specifically said, if you see it more than once, maybe then we could discuss an omen or a symbolic element to it. It was almost like, you know, maybe if you just see yeah. it once, it's just, you know, give us some cat food and, and that's that. But then it, it, to have a couple times and then have that crazy experience, it just felt powerful. I, and I don't know, like, I think too, I think it's interesting because I do think of a black cat as being sort of like a connector, you know, an, an otherworldly creature, somebody, you know, or creature that moves in between worlds you know it's not you know their perception or their ability to see things that we can't um is really valuable in the symbolism and of course you know black cats people maybe they think of it as good luck but i think of you know bastet um or bast mm -hmm. the, the you know the the cat goddess from egypt and so for me when i think of black cats i think Ooh, little magic little magic is in the air <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I just, I had this image of like the cat she, the the fairy cat, which mm -hmm. they're, they're black cats with little, little white tufts under the chin, I think. Mm -hmm. Little fairy cat. Yeah. Yeah. And we so, know yeah. that the fairies are connected to the, to the UFOs. To the stuff UFOs. Too, so. Yep. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's so maybe, yeah, maybe instead of saying it was a UFO encounter, I could say it was an encounter with the Fae or both, all of the it's, above. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's all of the above. I, the numinous. yeah, the numinous is a good way to, to, to put it because it's like the other, but it's fancier sounding. Um, could you explain that to me? Just like a talk to me like I'm five explanation of what you mean by numinous? I've never heard that before. Um, it would be an encounter that would be considered highly spiritual, highly, um, like definitely encountering the other, how you mm -hmm. would feel if you were to encounter the other in the wild. That would be like a numinous to me, um, which some people um, translate into religious experience or definitely something dealing with another intelligence that is, is, is something unknown and wild and wonderful and scary all at the same time. <laughs> that's how I, I define the new. Yes. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty much it. Thank you. I feel like I learned something like I was, I'm writing notes. I'm like, Oh, that's a beautiful word and a term I've not used before. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a uh, more descriptive way to say the other. Yes. You know, because in, in English, when we're talking about, 
um, looking at, at people and seeing their differences and in a, in a harmful way, we often say, well, that you othered that person. You, you, you know, this is what happens when a person from a different culture comes into contact with a larger culture from a subculture, they get othered. They're looked at as something other than what we are. It's that us and them kind of feeling. So sometimes, and that's, sometimes the other sounds like that to me. Yeah. Um, that, that we're saying that it's separate from us in a, in a way that I'm not really sure it is. I think that what is called the other definitely has something to do with humanity. Um, whether we are attached to it in some way, or it is attached to us, or it is us in some way. Um, I think it's all consciousness and that we are all part of a, an, an overarching consciousness, the other and humanity. And so we are connected. So numinous to me sounds like saying other without saying separate. I love so that. it's a, it's a connection that we all have. And, and in my view, yes, that black cat very definitely had something to do with what you saw. You noticed the cat, you texted your friend and then you stopped texting and you looked up at exactly the right moment at exactly the right place. If your friend hadn't had the black cat encounter, then you just would have been followed by a random cat from nowhere and you wouldn't have told him and you might not have looked up at the right exact time. I love it. Yeah. That's a really good analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, and while you were, you were both describing numinous, um, I was thinking about how there's a meaningful message. There's a meaningful quality to the, where it's like, did I learn something from this? Like, you know, what lesson or I don't, I don't like lesson because it also feels like it's heavy. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. How did I develop? Where was their transformation? Um, what wisdom did I gain from this? I guess that's a good way to put it. What is there? Where is the insight in this opportunity? Yes. Where's the insight is a good way to put that. Perfect. And you're right. Lesson sounds like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, not another lesson now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah very cool but yeah i definitely think the two were related and i also tend to see things happening in threes you might have a, a third cat somewhere happen in the future i'll uh i'll, I'll be on the lookout <laughs> I know that 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 this that that he's seeing the cat regularly now. I think it's just a neighborhood cat, but it still initiated a fun conversation. Yes, it and does. a fun, um, you know, a really fascinating event. So, um, but yeah, that was, <laughs> this is great. I'll be y'all will be the first to know if I have a third cat encounter, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> like and what happens yeah. after I see the third cat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe y'all will see, maybe this is like a, the gift that keeps giving now. Yeah. Maybe one of you will see a black cat or maybe one of the listeners will see a black cat and they'll have an experience. 
So there you have yeah. it, listeners. If if you have a significant black cat experience, email or message and let us know because that would be pretty cool. And we have we have had a few things happen with listeners who listened to a certain episode and then had something tie into it later. So keep your minds open for those cats. Yeah. And if you see a black cat, look up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> also, because I'm going to be posting this on the solstice, uh, watch out for the Icelandic Yule cat because that black cat is somewhat of a, that's a harsh creature. Um, the, it's a giant black cat in Iceland. And if you don't wear your new woolens that you got for uh, Yule, it will come after you and eat you. Um, the, the, the Icelandic Yule traditions are not necessarily what I would call um, gentle. So definitely, if somebody worked to make you a sweater or some socks or mittens or something, wear it. it that, I think that's the lesson of the Yule cat is somebody worked really hard, wear your new clothes. <laughs> or get eaten. Or get eaten. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you're in Iceland, look out for that giant cat. Yeah, that is, that's a strange tradition. <laughs> it is. It is. I've never heard so, of it, but now I have to go look. Like <laughs> during this interview, I, I know, you know, I've been taking notes because I've, you know, we've just shared so much fun and insightful information. Now I'm like, like I circled Iceland black cat. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, wear your woolen gifts. That was the other yeah. note. <laughs> Get out your socks. <laughs> well, well, it this goes, is just it, good advice in, in, in Iceland. I mean, it's cold, yeah. right? <laughs> I think that might be part of it. I think that yeah. might be part of where that legend came from. And part of the tradition of giving new um, woolen clothing at that time. that That's what I choose to believe about it. That, you know, they just don't have a giant cat roaming around the spirit world eating people randomly. Well, isn't, isn't Yule, I can't remember where Yule, the, the, the word Yule comes from. Is it Icelandic or Germanic? Where it means J-O-L, wheel? Isn't there a connection there with the... the, the the, the name itself? Yes. I, I think it's, I always thought it was Germanic. Um, it's Germanic, so. Norwegian, yeah. Swedish. All of those languages are related. So um, culturally related and linguistically related. So, yeah. Yeah. That's and yes, it is spelled J-U-L and pronounced Perf Yule. Yes. Perfect. So you were correct. Um, so the solstice. We let's let's head back to the uh, the uh, the solstice itself. What kind of rituals do you perform to celebrate the return of light? Even though it's not a big giant return, like you know this. That's the solstice is the longest night. And then after that, the light starts returning in these little droplets of sunlight. You know, how do you, how do you all celebrate that? 
Well, when I was in Toronto, I would um, make the effort, uh, if the weather was cooperative, uh, to go down to Lake Ontario, um, where I actually had UFO experiences as well. So it's a very special place for me. And I would, uh, I, I would greet the dawn. Like I would go down there in the dark and, and just wait for the sun to rise up over the lake. I also have special connection to water. Um, and then in, in the, uh, the, before the evening would start a gathering with family, um, we traditionally celebrated the solstice. Uh, which was, it was good for the extended family who, you know, were celebrating Christmas with other relatives and things to be able to just, our core family of girls pretty much get together and have a, a solstice uh, of feasting and joy and just, you know, celebrating the fact that we're together and that the light was returning. So I, I really like much, that. Yeah. So that's pretty much how I would celebrate the solstice back in Canada. Um, here I have, um, I'm starting new traditions and rituals in my new adopted country, Italy. Uh, so I'm still formulating what I'm going to be doing uh, this year. Again, it's, it's all weather dependent too. I like to, I like to be outside as much as possible. Um, but you know, it's just being on top of a mountain. It kind of might force my, my ritual inside. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> a hearth ritual will be wonderful too, like yeah. a wood stove ritual. Oh, that yes. sounds really pleasant also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably, probably do something like that. But I do, like, I like to, if I could make a fire outside, I, I do have, um, I could do it. Um, it just, again, it just depends because we're at such an elevation, you know, we could get a dumping of snow. And then when it's not snowing, it's super foggy which is fun, mm -hmm. but it's difficult to kind of maintain a fire <laughs> Yeah, in the fog. So Particles oh. of water suspended in the air does not make fun for fire. <laughs> exactly. But it I just mean, doesn't. Yeah. But, uh, but that's, that's another idea that I might do, but yeah, hearth ritual. I thought that'd be good. Yeah. There were words that you use that I thought, were a perfect summary of like, you know, like people looking for ways to describe things to do at the winter solstice. You said greeting mm -hmm. and even specifically like greeting the dawn and gathering togetherness yes. and traditions. Yeah. It feels like such a time of traditions. Like everybody, you know, when they think of the holiday season, there's specific traditions or rituals that their family or their friends or their community celebrates year after year. Um, I know that I think of the ones that my family, you know, participates in and have been participating in since I was little. And, and they're so special to, um, it's even nice to just to take a moment to reflect on those and how powerful they are in influencing how we feel during that, that celebration too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I do like I do like it as a fire festival and I do like watching the sunrise. I think that's a I'm not great at it um because that involves early morning, but I can also stay up the night before and and do it that way. Um I'm better at that than actually getting up and being coherent in the morning. Um but I really really like the idea of a circle a family 
or friends, or in my case, friends who are family. And uh, the circle is a, is a good symbol of the sun. And of course, circles, there's no beginning, there's no end. You can start anywhere on the circle and draw it. And so it, it relates to the circle of ancestry and of connection, community, and feeling. You know, holding hands in a circle, representing the sun, um, lighting a fire in the center. Um, I've used cauldrons to light the fire inside the cauldron, and that just has so many symbolic things happening in there. Again, the dark time of the year is like being inside the womb, being back inside mm -hmm. the earth. That's when the seeds mm -hmm. rest. That's when the trees rest. Everything comes inward. Everything goes inward and, and you know, calms down. Trees, you know, their sap runs only in the very center of the tree trunk and the roots. It doesn't you know, squish out into the ends and the, and the, and the, uh, the uh, bark, you know, towards the edges, it goes down inside. Um, the seeds that fell, acorns that fell, pine cones that fell, all of those, you know, they sort of sift down through the leaf litter and they get buried by different animals. And then they sit there all winter in the darkness. And then when the light of the sun returns and warmth returns, then they come up and and sprout anew and that's what the that's what the sun represents and that's mm -hmm. why the cauldron i like that because to me that's mother earth's belly yes, yes. and mm -hmm. it's a it's a circle and so lighting the fire within that is the fire of creation and then circling around it is recognizing our connection to that absolutely I just love the the idea or the, the you know reflecting on the on the idea that for birth and growth to take place there has to be a pause there has to be a time yes. of dormancy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. You can't always be on <laughs> on fire, energetic, ready to go, caffeinated, wide awake out in the world. There has to be some sort of recuperation and sometimes when we take that pause that's when we have our biggest leaps of growth. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I like that, that cauldron. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get the cauldron out this winter solstice. <laughs> I think, I think it's a good idea. Oh, yeah. It is. Also, I like uh, Kiki, your, your writing during the dark time of the year, you're doing the creation in the dark and working on that. And then you're going to release it. It, it's going to be done at midsummer. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 I think, um, but I think that's a good transitional period because you're going to be working through the dark time. You're going to come through the spring and everything grows upwards in the spring. And then to release it at midsummer is at the height of the sun's power. So that's yeah. the height of enlightenment. Exactly. Yeah. I like that idea too. And I also, you know, especially um, because it's divination related, I like that people will be able to get their hands on it before they go back 
into mm-hmm. the, you know, into the, the autumnal equinox or Samhain. Um, and so they'll have this like precious gift of, 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 um, of tarot wisdom. Hopefully it's a precious gift of tarot wisdom. I'm going to put it out in the universe. It will be that, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to take with yeah. them when they're ready to, yeah, take that, that, that journey inwards again. Yeah. I think the symbolism is great. That's what that's what spell working and magic is. Exactly. Is, is constructing symbolism and using symbolism and the movement of the universe itself to take your ideas and bring them to fruition in a cycle, mm-hmm. in a circle. That's that's what the wheel of the year is all about as it goes around in a circle over and over. And good witchcraft has to do with knowing when to jump in on that circle and ride that energy and when to pull in energy and when to let it go. And so that's, that's why when you said midsummer, I was like, Oh, look at that. She's jumping on the wheel. Yeah. It'll, it'll definitely be a harvest festival release. It will be during the harvest season. I hope by midsummer. I don't know, but but even afterwards, it will be it will be somewhere, somewhere in there in the in the warm season when the sun is bright and prosperous and see, giving. Well done. Yeah, Thank I already you. see myself pre-ordering, so it's good. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Do you have a title for it yet? Um, uh, I know that like the you know there will be a title and a subtitle, but I think that the title is going to be something along the lines of transformative tarot. Nice. So I yes, like I want it to be an experience where people really feel their and it is there. There it is again. It's going to go along with that wheel of the year. So here's here's a gift of transformation, and and I hope that it assists in personal development and bringing people to the next spiritual place they need to go i like well after reading you know a curious future i am sure it is going to be very helpful to people i mean if this is an example of how the tarot you know the extent because you've discussed tarot in here but i mean like an expanded tarot of transformation and that i'm sure it is going to be a wonderful addition you know, to anybody's library that's that wants to get into because I I have some tarot books. Some are good, but a lot of them can be heavy-handed, and there's a lot of heavy description on the cards. And I don't know. I just I think that yours is going to be really refreshing. And I think with so many people now getting interested in tarot and and newbies, you know, <laughs> and the baby witches and that that want to to start learning more. I think that the way you write is so. It, it's it really it flows like I, I'm really enjoying your book and and lately I've been having a harder and harder time with books but not with yours I really love it and I'm I'm being a hundred percent sincere here with you um, so I'm looking I'm really looking forward to your tarot book uh, thank you yeah I, I really appreciate that that means a lot and yeah. Um, yeah y'all will be the first to know when it's ready and oh excellent and, yeah and um, I will. I will for sure. One of my hopes too is I, I really work with the writer Way Smith. So I know that it's going to heavily, you know, my reflections will be based a lot on the writer Way Smith, but I think that, you know, and it, it's also important for me to, to pull into other decks as well because people use other decks. Yeah. Um, 
of course, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to believe. I've been using the Rider Waite Smith for over two decades. So when people are like, "I read this," I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> but um, you know, I love too that it's almost like you know. I, I think of it almost like, well, people people use different brands of guitars and they still play the same you know instrument. You know, um, mm-hmm. so it's the same. You yeah, can play the same melody or. You could play different genres. I don't know. Like, so, but yes, thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that that it's helpful. And um, it will be a good uh, sibling book to the divination book because I really do. I really love the idea of using, you know, allowing divination to be a, a multimedia experience. I guess it's so. You know, you you may pull a tarot card, but you can also draw, you know, runes or use your pendulum with the tarot or um, read a tarot card and go, I don't like this answer and then pull out you know, your, <laughs> you know, something else, you know, you're like, I'm going to throw some dice and see what I get. Or, you know, maybe do some scrying, but have, you know, it'd be really fun to take a, a tarot card and have it held up next to a scrying mirror and seeing, you know, how that influences the, the, the psychic experiences you, you know, you gain from your scrying session. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the solstice yeah. is a good time to do divination too. So for sure. Definitely. Well, I'm you- looking forward to it. And you know what? I was just going to um, say, uh, we have an international tarot museum very close to where I'm living. So if you ever Ooh. come to North Italy, please let me know. Oh, and we've got to go because yes. they have... <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell you how many um, decks they have from all over the world. Um, some really, really unusual ones, really beautiful ones, um, and rare tarot decks. It's an international tarot museum, and it's very close um, in a in an ancient, ancient villa. And uh, oh, wow. it's by appointment only, but definitely, you you know, you have to see it. You have to be there. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yes, please. Absolutely. And it's funny because I was just in Egypt this fall. And when I was, like of all places, while meditating in the Great Pyramid, one of the messages I received was, your next trip is going to be to Italy. Uh-oh. Wow. Then awesome. You're going to have to like, See you soon. <laughs> and pick up some magic at the, at the Tarot Museum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Italy, too. It's just such such a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. Oh, it really is. It, it is. All, the, the whole peninsula is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I, yeah, yeah. Even my dad noticed the magic of Italy. So that's, that's something. That was his favorite place when he was in the Navy. Italy and Greece. And, uh, you know, he said that, you know, not only was the food amazing, um, but he said that you could, you could feel the footsteps of the ancients, is how he put it. That when you walked the same streets that um, the, the old philosophers walked, you could, you could feel it. And I was like, wow, dad, (laughs) you're not poetic (laughs) at all. And there you are. (laughs) 
Well, that's the that's the inspiration he's receiving from those ancients. That's mm-hmm. really I love that feeling the footsteps of of the the ancients. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's... when you come, we'll 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 do some divination and maybe some meditation. And at one of the Etruscan sites, I have um, oh, several so Etruscan cool. runes around, um, including their necropolis, which is very interesting because they would they would bury in an egg as if going back into into that oh. egg shape yeah into so the it, womb. <laughs> back into the womb so it, it um really there's some really interesting places around here so definitely if you come if you decide to come to italy you've got to come to this region of emilia romagna because there's a lot of magic um and and i think you would you would really love the tarot museum like it's just Certainly. you could spend weeks in there <laughs> i love it okay yeah. Wow. Twist my arm. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right? Wow. So, yeah. Wow. You can't follow up on that other than go, wow. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, so, what kind of... Uh, um, divination do you do susan in in your in your practice i know that that you've talked a little bit about it but what other what do you like to do as a cosmic witch um i do use uh the tarot quite a bit i have a couple of favorite oracle cards as well i also use the pendulum and i just do simple yes and no uh with that um so it's just different things as well. It depends on the season. Um, in the fall time, I like to go and I, I, I like to gather things in the forest. I think I have pine cones and and all sorts of things like that, little acorns and such that I, I, I use for divination purposes. I have some bones as well um, and lots of seashells because here, especially in Italy, there's... Um, you know, we have the Adriatic coast very nearby and I've, I've in the summertime collected quite a bit of seashells and I've, I've practiced hydromancy here as well on the lakes and the rivers with the, with the sparkles on the water. Um, so just various different things. Sometimes things come a little bit easier for me. So I really intuit what I'm going to do if I'm going to do divination, but the, the thing that I do, I would say on the most regular basis, pretty much daily is, consult with the tarot Mm. do you keep a journal when you when you look at the tarot or oh absolutely i have so many different journals um and and that i keep different notebooks some of them are just pieces of scraps of paper and then other ones there's for special magical workings I'll, i'll get um nicer uh i have a a david bowie one right now moon age daydream that i'm it's really pretty uh that i'm doing using for a magical working right now so that those types of of journals are are a little bit more precious but i do like i'll write down day to day um and come back to it sometimes i sketch in them and just and like i said sometimes it's in a fancy journal other times i'll just write on a scrap of paper whatever is handy (laughs) that's fair I feel that <laughs> I, have, I have drawers full of scraps of paper that are like, you know, I, I'll, I'll sometimes I remember to date them. 
<laughs> so I go back. So there's somewhat of a journal. And sometimes I, I write online too. Um, like I have a bunch of stuff that I have on my computer as well. So it just depends. I feel like those, so those scrap pieces of paper can even be a form of divination. Like you go into the drawer and you just Pulled grab for one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never thought of that before, but you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Cause I mean, I could go back and, and, and not even remember what, what does, what does this mean now? You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> That's how that's how yeah. divination works. It's exactly. it's using exactly. chance or, uh, you know, randomness to seek meaning. So that's perfect. There's a there's a uh, an exercise I did on an online uh, art class where we took a poem that we really liked and and cut a cut it apart into lines or single words or small groups of words and then put them in a bowl and did um, an artwork of a fairy uh, and then cut her out and used her to, you know, we glued her to the bowl and she was, she was our, our inspiration fairy and we'd use pieces of you know we'd reach in the bowl and then pull out one of those pieces of paper and look at it and use that as a piece for an art journal page um and that's kind of like divination as well it's a it's a different sort of thing the other thing when you talked about writing stuff on scraps of paper and then sticking them in a drawer i was like oh see i'd want to put that in the background of a painting like make a collage of these yeah. bits of handwritten notes <laughs> and glue it down and then do transparent and translucent paint over it so some of it is hidden and some of it is revealed and then let that be the background for something so that's an amazing idea yeah i really like that i like that now you're giving me ideas to do of things to do with the scrap paper i like it <laughs> there you go there you go yeah that's that's one of the things i do with a lot of my paintings and you can't always see that detail when i post photographs of them online but a lot of them have old vintage photographs or bits of poetry from books or things that I've handwritten, letters from friends, um, letters from famous people, you know, and uh, it's all in the background. And then I cover it over with layers of paint. So you can see some of it, you can't see some of it. And then I use that as the, the background for the main image um one of the most one of one of the ones that i think i did a a really good job with that on is i call her um wood woman and her daughters and the background is vintage photographs of appalachian women with um their children doing things like spinning using a spinning wheel with animals like one of them has a crow on her shoulder another one is a snake handling woman outside of an old church 
And another one is a girl sitting in a window with a cat on her lap. And so all of this is in the background. And then I did um, leaves sort of stenciled over it in various colors after I put, you know, the background color on it. And then I painted a, the torso of a woman whose skin was the color of our red clay here in this region. And she had antlers and she had deer's ears and deer's eyes. And interestingly, when I hung that at the uh, library here in town, as I was painting her, I was like, I see her as sort of the genius loci of Athens here in, in Ohio, that she's, she's our, our regional um, goddess, uh, sort of a muse. And all of these people like would come up as I was hanging that show. And this one little kid, he was my favorite. He was like maybe three. He came running over. She was still leaning on the wall, sitting on the floor. So she was right at face level for him. And he put his hands on either side of it and he leaned in and kissed her. And he said, mommy, mommy, look, she's here. And I was like, what <laughs> kid? <laughs> and, and she, he said, I know this lady. And I was like, oh my, I, I did a thing. Okay. Yeah. And his mom and his mom was like, no, 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 don't touch it. I'm like, nah, it's okay. There's so many layers of varnish on that. There is nothing that child can do to it. And my paintings are all meant to be touched. It's okay. It's all right. And uh, she, she, she looked at it and she said, did you, is, is this an illustration from a book? I, because I have seen her before. And then I had a couple of other people at the art opening say, she looks so familiar. Interesting. So, Yeah. That was a, that was a, you know, using that scrappy bit for the background to build a powerful image in the foreground. And then, you know, yeah. when people would go up and look at her, they'd look at her eyes first, but then they'd realize they, there were all these faces peeking out from the leaves behind her or peeking out of her hair. And uh, they'd be like, oh, whoa. I would love to see it. I would Same. love to see it. I yeah. will I will I will post a few pictures in the show notes of of Woodwoman and her daughters and take some close-ups so you can see some of the background. But that's that's one of the the times that I've done that 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 it worked the way I wanted it to, that it adds depth and feeling. Um, but you know, written stuff does the same thing. So I love talking about this artwork too, or this, this, these sort of ideas for artwork, because you're just going back to the whole idea of the winter solstice, you're transforming something into something different. Like you're transforming mm -hmm. this, you know, these poems or these little scraps of imagery or words and creating something really profound and powerful. Um, so there's a rebirth of that original artwork or, or creation. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Oh, I really want to see that. Ooh, okay. That I will, I will definitely make sure that I have some photographs that you can see her. Um, she's one I'll never sell. Or if I do, she has to go to somebody who's going to stay here in Athens. Mm. 
because yeah. I, I feel like if we move, I'm going to have to give her to the library or somebody to keep her here in Athens because that's where that's where she is from. Mm. So yeah, cool. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think you should use some of your some of your little notes for for an image. Yeah. You should. I should. I should. I feel another painting coming soon. So listen, this is a good period of time to do that, mm -hmm. uh, to make art and, you know. I am much better at art in the winter. Now there's silence. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm still. I'm still in the in, in the goddess of of the forest. I'm still in the wood woman. I'm like she's she's. I've got this picture in my mind. That's why I'm so excited to see the painting because I'm. I you've described her so vividly, and just this image just popped up in my mind. So mm. yeah, or, or that you somehow downloaded some sort of valuable information to connect it to a a goddess of that area or a spirit of that place and yeah yeah develop an image of her that other people were like hmm i like this and <laughs> yeah exactly that is like that, that emotional you know response from the child is is beautiful oh and he was so cute too and his mother was was absolutely mortified and I was like no 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 it's okay <laughs> it's okay even if he has sticky Goodness knows on his hands. It's okay. Yeah. I can wipe it right off. I, I finished my paintings with so many layers of polyurethane. It really is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was really, I was really pleased with how she turned out, but that is, that is one of the ways that I do work to bring, um, well, it's, it's kind of a magic, magical working painting is. So yeah, that's, that's one of the ways that I do it. Um, so, um, Hmm. Do we have anything else we need to say? I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I don't want the, I don't want the conversation to end yet. I've got all these wonderful thoughts and ideas and inspiration now swirling around in my mind. Um, I just love talking to you both. I know this is yeah. fun. I, I feel, feel like I feel... we should, we should yeah. do this like not always when we're recording, but we should talk all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I would love to, to know Susan, did you have a, a specific like special like symbol or image that ended up in the UFOlogy tarot? Did something end up, in the images that, that we're going to see for the, the folks that are, you know, going to be getting the, the cards? Um, well, we're still working on the, on the major arcana, uh -huh. but with the examples that you've seen, there are, there are some little Easter eggs, so the, you know, for people to find and, and kind of contemplate on their own, but there are with each um, unique character, within the cards there there is symbology unique to that person like for instance our mage who is Jacques Vallée um, you know there's the floppy disk because he was the computer scientist um, there's a web signifying you know ARPANET which he he created um, 
and all sorts of other little things unique to him. Uh, Amy Michelle, his dear friend, is 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 like a little gnome-like fellow. He was short in stature and life, and he's peeking out from under the mat magician's table. Um, so there's going to be all sorts of little things like that, um, and then there's there will be some some arcs between the cards, as there are in 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 the um, the Rider Waite Smith deck. There will be connections between each of the cards as well. So they're telling a story. There's there's an overall story, but each one has their own meaning and and symbols, and and there'll be stuff from the UFOs that they've investigated too, um, symbols and sigils and things that are are part of the UFO story. I love that. I love the idea of the symbols and like the UFOs being featured or the sigils to sort of like download. Yeah. Mm -hmm. experience Absolutely. Psychically. Yeah. I love cool. that. <laughs> I love that so much. And also I, I saw Emmy Michelle as the gnome also as sort of a connection to passport to Magonia where, um, you know, Dr. Valet said, Hey, look at all this fairy lore over here in the in the 1960s, like when nobody else is really talking about it too much. Uh, look at all this. Uh, doesn't that sound familiar, guys? Like, <laughs> doesn't yes. that sound interesting? <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> so, and then we come back to the Kate She, the fairy cat, and your UFO. So, yes, there you are. And I love the cats that are with Whitley Strieber instead of the, the little dog that's with the fool in the Rider Waite Smith. Yeah, I well, love it. As soon as cats. I as those soon as I saw those cats, I knew who was gonna be in that card and I, I just yeah. started to giggle maniacally. <laughs> um I told that to to Miguel and I was like, as soon as I saw the cats, dude, I knew. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I knew I was like, oh my goodness, because I that one passage from communion where he talks about his Siamese cat seeing the visitor mm -hmm. and reacting to it and how he knew then that he was experiencing something, at least at that moment, verifiably real, you know, in this moment in time, it wasn't all in his head. That image of that cat has stayed in my head ever since I read it when I was, I think I was probably 21 when I read it, maybe 20. It affected me very deeply though. And, but that cat, yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, and so the, the cats definitely are part of that experience. Um, so it's little things like that for people that might not have, um, been familiar with that before they're going to see these things that are, are unique to these people and the circumstances and the encounters that they had it's like in the lover's card there's there's delcy who is the the, mm -hmm. the little dash hunt of the hills uh and she stands um she's between them so she's a connector like through mm -hmm. their love as well um so yeah so there's all sorts of little things like that that um that really they they pack a powerful um history lesson as well as magic um infused into the cards through the symbolism that are is is part of each of these characters stories each of these people 
for people like me who I'm more associated with the tarot and the witchy stuff as opposed to the UFO realm, this is a great bridge for me because now I know I'm going to be able to like, I know I'm going to fall in love with one card in particular or one image in particular, or even hearing about Whitley Strieber's cats. You know, it's like now I'm like, well, now I need to like know the whole history between that, you know, but you know, behind that encounter. And yeah. so it's going to be a really good bridge for people who may just be in the world of divination, but now they could realize that all things are connected. Yeah. Exactly. And they are. Exactly. And I really like the idea that you're um Tarot book is going to come out before the major arcana are completely finished. So mm -hmm. when that comes out, people who are ufologists who don't play with tarot, who are looking at it more as a uh, historical piece, an art piece, an interactive art project, um, are going to be able to look at your technique for essentially telling a story with the tarot mm -hmm. and work with that. I mean, the, the, the deck is going to come with a book explaining the symbolism and the history and all of that. And probably some of the divination symbolism as well, but it's nice that these two things are coming out in succession yes. and, and in a way that you guys didn't plan it, but it it's happening. So yeah. Cool. And it would be, it would be, well, yeah, it would be very nice to be able to refer back to, you know, like if you want to explore tarot in more depth to, to refer back to your book, because like I said, if, if it's going to, um, if we can go by a curious future, then it's going to be an important book. It's going to be accessible to people. I mm -hmm. loved a curious future. And so I am looking forward to, even though I'm more of an experienced person, perhaps with tarot, I'm not, I'm by no means an expert, but I still look forward to it because I know I will learn new things and, and in a, in an easily accessible way, which is what I like, mm -hmm. you know? I don't like, I don't like heavy handed esoteric kind of books. I yeah. like, just, just tell me, yeah. guide me and, 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 you know, <laughs> in, in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. I have a yeah. lot to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. We're going to be sending you really, really wonderful energy to sort of yes. see, see it's done, you know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. well, it, yeah. And, and it's, it is, it is, you know, I, I am really thankful that it is this cozy, quiet time of the year. Um, and I've even retreated back from, I'm not doing as many, this, this is one of a, just a couple interviews I have this season and um, it's really mellow. I'm just staying cozy and it is, it is a good writing time for me. So mm -hmm. I can celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And yeah, we will definitely be sending you the good witchy vibes to Please. help you out because that's that's what you do. Yeah. It's well, one of the things you do. Thank you. And that's one of the the nice things about, you know, fire magic or hearth magic or wood stove magic and mm -hmm. or welcoming the sun back whenever I think of that fire energy, it's it's all about creativity as yes. well. There's so much you know, you can really connect the fire into the art magic as well. That, mm -hmm. that you know, that passion project or um, the fire of inspiration, that, that light bulb going off where you have a really brilliant idea, that spark. Mm -hmm. 
or the lights in the sky the spark exactly oh no here we go <laughs> yes i love it that's so good the lights in the sky yeah yeah it does inspire a lot mm -hmm. it sure does i think i think so so um i have to ask it was a triangle which way was it pointing I, funny it was it was um we can actually see on really really clear nights here i'm not saying like every single night but if you're lucky and you go out to maybe the pier on the the next island out where the you know we're really out swimming in the ocean but you can see the the band of the milky way um and Ooh. it was heading towards that mm -hmm. nice. so i wish i was a better astrologer but i have to use like the phone app where you hold it up and it tells you what constellations are where <laughs> So that's how I was able to tell it was, it was, it was coming, it was heading towards that, towards the band of the Milky Way. Nice. That's stunning. Yeah. And it was so quiet. You would just never, and it, there was, there was no possible way to go, oh, that's a plane. There's it, it, just, I, you know. I don't know how anybody could just like write it off like that. That wasn't a lantern. It wasn't a plane. It was really high up and it was stealthy. That was a good word to describe it as stealthy. Yeah. Five yeah. lights, two on each side and one at the top and the lights were red. Nice. Yeah. I think there was a message in there for you too. And perhaps in the way it was heading out towards the Milky Way, you know? Yeah, I gotta. Oh, I need yeah. to meditate on that. I need. I have it, and I haven't really visited with that that experience um, a lot. I haven't really told many people, so this is really my first time sharing it, like publicly, actually. <laughs> but I'm glad to do it with both of you. Um, yeah, I have Absolutely. to think about what messages would be in that. And yeah, I think I really do believe the cat led you mm -hmm. to this experience. I do too. And if you, if you think about the symbolic content in the experience itself, there's a message for you and it's, it's something profound. Look at the color, look at the number, yeah. look at the shape, look at where it's pointed. Exactly. Which direction it was moving. In the, cir in the circumstances surrounding yep. why you were called to look up at that precise moment in time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And to share that experience with somebody else too, you know, it was just like a little quirky conversation and then all of a sudden to have that happen. Um, you know, and that's where a lot of those kind of interesting experiences come from. You're like, well, I didn't really think it much of it. Like it was just like a, but, but I guess when you s start to tune into symbolism and synchronicities, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're a little bit more um, aware of it and you're you, you, maybe you open yourself up to those opportunities. So that's, that's power in symbolism and in tarot. And you, you just start to work with tarot, divination, magic, um, the paranormal. It, it's like, it, it's like you turn a light switch on that says open, you know, above your head mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, these sort of experiences and opportunities just, come a little bit more easily you're just tuned into it i guess yeah you know? yeah i think well, thank so. you so much for sharing this i know thank you oh, I'm honored yeah oh 
glad to. Well, thank you for letting me share it. And yeah, I really, I'm I, black cats. Now, if anybody has any black cat experiences, look up, listen, yeah. see what happens. Hopefully it's not the Icelandic cat coming to eat oh, you. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't think that Where are your is, woolens? Yeah, where, yes. where, your, where your, new, your new knitted stuff. Don't, don't be, yeah, don't fall prey to that, that little fellow. Well, big fellow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and if you see cat, uh, see a black cat and see a UFO, definitely please tell me because I want to know. <laughs> Could be the next thing. Well, and it makes me think of like all the black cat encounters that people have in, in the UK and. Oh, yes. Um, and then there's so many. I mean, how far back do superstitions about black cats go and, you know, black cats being associated with a goddess? I mean, mm -hmm. th these are these are powerful creatures. So yeah, started as a silly little text message chit chat turned into this like wow whoa <laughs> did did what what did I do? <laughs> yeah. you know, Stephanie Quick, another returning guest that we've had, she's really interesting because she has synchronicity storms that happen around text messages. Wow. Yeah. And I love that terminology, synchronicity storms. And I love Stephanie Quick, too. <laughs> yes, Steph is fun. I love her. Yeah. She definitely is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she one of the one of my first encounters with Stephanie was she was talking at the um Strange Realities conference, and one of the examples she gave of a synchronicity storm had to do with text messages back and forth. And it was, it was wild. And I've since worked with her on two episodes where we do research separately and then come together and, you know, turn it into this mosaic of stuff. And every time I've worked with her, there has been something synchronicity having to do with the topic that we've chosen to work with. And usually it's coming through Twitter or um, text messages or emails or all three. Facebook posts, she gets too. She's like, the, the internet is, is in there connected to her, her consciousness and her consciousness is connected to it. And it, just that's how her psychic friends network works. I think it, it reaches out into the ether and pulls stuff in and it's fascinating. So, yeah, you know, and I love she, that she's open as well. Like I I've had a few synchronicities with Stephanie as well. And she'll just, she'll like be right out there and say, you know, and you've posted this and, and like, just check this out. And I'm like blown away. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it's and, it's wild. Storms. One of our mutual friends on Twitter, AP Strange, I've had synchronicities with him where I'll be like, I had this really weird dream or, you know, and he'll be like, oh my God, I had the same, you know, like we'll, we'll all sort of like, like, I like that too. That goes back to togetherness with the, with the, with the winter solstice. We all come together and we get to know each other and we become acquainted with each other. And all of a sudden we start having these synchronicities together. So yeah. it makes us feel like a soulful paranormal family. Yeah. It does. It does. I, the interconnectedness of the web. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jacques Filet. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> our, our mage. 
Yes, <laughs> very much so. As above, age. so below. Indeed, indeed. And yes, I, I love how everybody agrees that he is the mage. Like it pops out of everyone's mouth. Even my husband who, you know, he's, 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 he did tarot before I did in our, you know, uh, lifespan. Uh, and he's, he owned a metaphysical bookstore with me back in the nineties. And he's, he's very accomplished with that. He knows a little bit about UFO stuff, but only because he lives with me and has heard me jabber like a nerd about the topic. And he knows about Dr. Valet because I've jabbered like a nerd about Dr. Valet. And uh, when I told him about the UFOlogical Tarot, first sentence out of his mouth, Valet is the, the mage, isn't he? Because if he isn't, this is this is bogus. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, he's the mage. I was like, everybody yeah. agreed on that one. And he yeah. was like, okay, all right then. Um, and then finally I showed him the, the Kickstarter video after I had already, you know, said, Oh, I'm supporting this. Boom. He looked at it. He's like, Oh, that's going to be so cool because he, he was, you know, he got the symbolism and, and he really liked the art and, uh, the, the playful way that Miguel took the writer weight images and, and, you know, in some cases turned it on its head a little bit and, you know, just did a lot of work. Like he didn't know who Ann Druffel and Philip Kloss were. Mm -hmm. And then he knew who Phil Kloss was when I described him. He goes, oh, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy, you know. But he was like, he looks like the cowardly lion there. I went, well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he, 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 then, you know, he got that. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be so cool. But yes, everybody agrees that, that Dr. Filet is the mage. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, feel like I'm going to have such a lesson from this, just from the mage. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I just got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. And now that you, you, you know, you've had this recent UFO experience, when you start contemplating the mage, valet is the mage you'll definitely have experiences mm -hmm. I'm, I'm certain of it mm -hmm. i've had a number of synchronicities with dr valet um some were actually invoked and provoked and other times i've had dreams that he's featured in um that turn out to have synchronicities or or information in them that later i i found was useful or i needed at a specific point of research or whatever so i know he's a mage i just i feel it and he's perfect as in those cards as it is mm -hmm. so. yeah the last time susan and i spoke after we finished recording we were talking and surprisingly i've had similar experiences and synchronicities with dr valet as the mage and so I had no idea that she had had similar experiences as well. So it kind of blew me away. I was like, oh, my. Oh, my. I think we've all met on the etheric plane. I just, mm. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. 
look for him in your dreams. Mm-hmm. He might have something uh, to tell you. Sounds like he has something for all of us. If he's the mage, that's a that's a, a wise teacher. There's something for everybody. And I I'm, I'm, I pulled up while we were talking. I just pulled up the images from the tarot, you know, from you know of of, of him as the the magician, and it's just such a cool. I have so much to learn about this this world, and this is just going to be such a bridge for people who, you know, may not be acquainted with with UFOs or or any of that. It's just going to be such a bridge. Um, Do you like how he's being bathed in cosmic gnosis from the uh, the ship? <laughs> I know. I, it's it's so fascinating that that ship above him. Oh my gosh, it's just so, there's a lot. Like, and I feel like even as somebody who may not know the background story, and this is the same with people who who look at any tarot image, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we started with when we started talking. Like when you look at the image, what do you feel? Yeah. You know, when I look at that image, he's being imbued with some sort of wisdom. You know, he's looking up and, and here's the floppy disk he's going to, give it to us. He's going to relay the info. And then also I see the psychic cards in front of him too, mm-hmm. but he's handing them out. He's allowing you to, to, to pick what exactly. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's really, um, yeah, it's a we're cool gonna have altar. To do, we're going to have to do another conversation when you have them in hand. Cause I, I would love, yes, love your interpretation of the cards. I feel like I have a lot of research to do. I'm going to have to (laughs) contact you guys and be like, okay, so tell me where to start with this person or this story. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see who ends up on the other cards as well. Like the, the high priestess is one of my favorites. So I'm just like, who's going to be on this card. And (laughs) she is being planned. Um, I think you'll love it. You will. I know I will. I know the ufology high priestess. Mm -hmm. What's behind that veil? Exactly. That's yes. what I want to know. What's behind yes. the veil? Mm. I also love the um, the use of the alchemical flask and um, the mortar and pestle on the mm-hmm. mage's table because that, to me, shows that, you know, he studied the old texts that have to do with, with alchemy, um, which is true. He has. Yes. Um, and of course the roses on the uh, spider web are symbols of Rosicrucianism, yes. which he also studied in depth for many, many years. And it makes you wonder if, if his, having studied all those things resulted in the experiences he had. I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they guided him. Definitely. Um, he he's, it's interesting if you read his journals. Um, and I was so thrilled when I talked with Miguel that he's another person that um, has read all of his journals and is like, those are my favorites of his books. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was the only one that was totally nerded out by that. But um, he he says specifically that, you know, from a very early age, he has been seeking that which is just out of reach 
that he knows there is another reality beyond what we physically see, touch, taste, and smell, and experience. And he has sought to reach through the veil and touch that. And yes. if that's not a mystical seeker and a mage, I, I don't rightly know what is, really. Because <laughs> that's pretty much the <laughs> definition. I'm going to have to get the journals. <laughs> yes. Yes. For, forbidden, forbidden, um, what, now my brain is gone. What is it called? Forbidden Science, yes. volumes one through four. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be beach reading for me. <laughs> it's, it, wow. They're actually really easy to read. He, you know, he's a very engaging writer. Um, and of course he edited them. Um, but it's a, it's a myriad, it's, it's his life. It's a myriad yeah. of experiences. You know, he was in Paris when the student uprising happened. Um, he was writing, uh, researching and writing um, Passport to Magonia during that time period. So he has all of these interesting things to say. But, you know, he talks about walking down a street in Paris from being at a cafe and, and being at, you know, uh, rare bookstores, which, you know, I want to see his rare book collection just because, you know, I do. Um, but he talks about turning a corner and there's this huge riot with students and police clashing, you know, and it's just so interesting. And then, you know, he, he comes to the United States and it turns out he knows a lot of the same people that I also know and I'm acquainted with, which is weird to me you know, because we don't exactly seem to like go in the same circles, but I guess we did. And I yeah. had no way to know. Um, and it's just so fascinating. The, the sort of ways that he worked to engage with the numinous. Um, and he experimented with ways to contact the numinous directly. Um, it's really, really interesting. And his his relationship with his wife Janine was is such a beautiful love story. Yes. Um, so I love love stories. You will you will <laughs> yeah. very much like that because he oh. it's just very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see uh, J. Allen Hynek from his point of view because of course they worked together for years, and they were. Um, they were mentor and student and, and then, you know, peers. So yeah, that's best really friends too. Best friends. Yeah. Best friends. And, uh, I think that valet, um, all of Hynek's occult books and things that he had collected all went to valet, um, to, he considered his best friend, which is really yeah. beautiful as well. It's another love story. Yeah, <laughs> it, is. It, is. it is. Romance. It, it is. is. It is. It is. It's beautiful. And, and he's very poetic in the way he writes, too. Yeah. Um, from the very beginning, he, he writes in a just, just lovely type of prose, very evocative. Wow, everybody is going, why? Well, these women are like serious fangirls over here. <laughs> I'm, ready to, well, we I'm, I'm ready to dig yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. 
Forbidden Science, Volumes 1 through 4. Yeah. A, a love story. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's a love story about science, too. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm looking and forward to it. the phenomena, whatever the that is truly is. Um, you know. Which I also love that he will say, I don't know what it is. Yes. Mm. Even after all he's done and experienced, that's his conclusion. Yeah. It's still mysterious. And that's what makes it wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That Tarot is-, is still mysterious, too. Exactly. exactly. How, many, how many years, how many hundreds of years has it been hanging around? And people have been using it. And yet, we still have new things to discover. And each oh, person... Each person who picks up a deck for the first time, they are going to find something that no one else has found. At least one thing. Mm-hmm. And it opens it opens something. That's that's a, a, an attunement experience too, you know. You really open yourself to a world of symbols and magic by working with tarot or divination. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it is a beautiful thing. And it's a love story because that that is us communicating with the universe and the universe communicating right back. Mm-hmm. And that is a relationship. Wow. Ladies. Yeah. <laughs> lots of, there's pauses because I'm just like digesting everything. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yep. If you can see, like I've, I've and, and you know what, maybe these will end up as little slips of paper. These yes. notes that I've taken while we've talked, I've, I've, I've done like five or six pages. I just feel like it's just going to end up, maybe it will be in a mixed media art. There you go. Journal. Yeah. Who knows? Scan it and use the scan. That yeah. way you have the original and keep that. I, 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 that's what I tend to do is I scan photographs and scan um, documents and don't use the originals. So just a little tip. Um, and when you go to glue it down, um, laser printers do not run because you, you have to glue over it as well to keep it all nice and, you know, stamped down um but uh inkjet does run but it generally doesn't much matter you know you're you're not looking for a perfectly clear image anyway so and if anybody's interested i will put in the show notes what exactly kind of glue i use because it isn't really glue you have to give an art class I know. I people have said that I've done art classes here in town. I've done mixed media classes, um, and it was a lot of fun. I've worked with kids and I've worked with adults. They're both fun, just in different ways. Um, and and maybe I should just do a video, a, a video lesson because I've had people ask, you know, well, how how is it that you do that? I just always have to go. Well, yeah, how is it that I do that? I have to think about that. Yeah. Um, because some some paintings, I look at it and go, "Oh, geez, what did I do? I don't I don't remember." Um, but yeah, uh, I think you maybe to do like a, a YouTube art slash cooking slash witchery 
There we go. Channel. There we go. You know, I could maybe do an art journaling sort of uh, workshoppy video thing for people who are into the paranormal, witchcraft, ufology. So you can keep your notes because everybody really should write this stuff down and, and make it creative at the same time. You know, not have it just be words, but also have it be art. I like that. I think that would work. That's yeah. something for me to think about. I'll sign up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something for you to contemplate now that we're in that dark period. We're in the, you know, we're in the womb. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're floating and we're thinking about the what's coming. It's something to just contemplate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I would love it. <laughs> It would definitely be fun. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for nearly two hours. So we don't want to be like Greg and talk for three hours and then I have to go and edit, you know, at least a half an hour or a whole hour out. Um, that happened the first time we, we interviewed Greg. Oh. And he, he apologized. I'm like, you know what? I could have been a sheepdog and like, you know, nudged everybody back on topic i could have done that but we were having so much fun i didn't that's my own fault (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so i i do try to keep it at around two hours at the most so that listeners don't go oh my god (laughs) they're still talking (laughs) (laughs) um but I just wanted to say I'll end out with uh, happy solstice wishing for everyone who's listening. Um, may you spend the dark time of the year in a circle of friends and may it be a fertile time for you to contemplate and think and wonder. Definitely. That's a beautiful greeting for yeah. the winter solstice. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Let's do this again. We will. Absolutely. We will. I think, I think that this, this uh, was a a very good, fruitful and fun conversation. Definitely was. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you both. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the six degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. (laughs) 